Hey y'all, this is Byron. I uh, just want to put something out there. Yes, I am a mental health therapist. And yes, my couch is quite comfortable. However, if you're listening to this podcast, it is not a substitute for a therapeutic relationship with a certified or licensed mental health therapist. So though I appreciate you taking the time out to listen to me and hopefully gain some information and insight about what's going on with you from listening to this podcast, Take the time to seek out mental health resources in your area if you so need to. Thanks for listening and hope you enjoy. Lunch is over at the best off. Yeah, man. Ain't got all day. Okay. Okay, man. Take this nigga out. This nigga better be. <laughs> he about to use the ass whoop. I was yeah, really man. determined. You know, for a dollar, it was worth the risk. The booty was looking good. so hard to fit in, I never stopped and ask myself why the hell they ain't want to grab a butt. A brother? Yeah, man, Stacy. Man, you remember that talk we had about Bloods and Crips, man? Yeah? Well, uh, that nigga's a blood. He coming to get me after school, and then he gonna kick your ass. Bet on that, punk. Good afternoon. This is B.D. Taylor with your sports update. And a word, ladies and gentlemen, we'll start this off with a word from WWE Hall of Famer Scott Hall. Thank you, Scott. Your Tampa Bay Buccaneers have put one in the win column with a 31-17 victory over the Carolina Panthers. Tom Brady didn't look quite so old today. The rest of the receiving core, other than Mike Evans, total buns. However, the defense showed up big time. Five sacks, four turnovers. 
Like what I'm seeing there, guys. Good job. The captain is happy. BD Taylor's happy. And now back to your regularly scheduled programming. Fire those cannons. Thank you, BD. Welcome back to the Captain's Couch. I'm your host, Byron Taylor. I'm in a much better mood because my Tampa Bay Buccaneers won. This is a theme, guys. Um, I am aware that I am a very ridiculous person. Um, but I'm loved nonetheless. So we are back for session number 56 here on the Captain's Couch. Um, we're going to continue our, our discussion that we have last week uh, talking about sexual consent. Um, you'll notice by the episode title and the uh, carefully selected meme for the uh, show art today, we're going to continue to break it down because, fellas, I'm going to be honest with you. And I'm not singling out some of the people that I know, but as a whole, we have to kind of come to the table on this one, guys. We are willfully ignorant about what it means when it comes to sexual consent. So we're going to break it down to you like a five-year-old. Because we're also going to talk about how you do try to break it down to a five-year-old today in the show. So I want to talk about um, giving a little bit further, a little bit, just a little bit of a further explanation about what enthusiastic enthusiastic consent is, as well as how we can really start at a young age discussing what sexual consent and consent in general is to our children. So with that being said, no five-star reviews this week. Um... I would really like to get one of those guys. It's been a few months. So hook me up, please. So, you know what? I'm in a good mood. I think we'll skip the music today. Psych. Alexa, play I Want to Know by Joe. I Want to Know by Joe from Tidal. Yeah, we're going to hit you with them sultry tunes and sultry sounds of Joe. And of course, I picked the song because the intro for this week's episode is from The Wood, and that is on the soundtrack. Um, birthday gift ideas. Anybody want to buy me The Wood on vinyl? I appreciate it. Um, so please be sure, if you want people to be able to find the podcast more easily on Apple iTunes, leave me a five-star review. It gets the word out more. Um, it helps spread the word. Be sure that you're liking, sharing the episodes if you're listening. Um, that's another way to get, you know, sharing on your Facebook feeds or your Twitter feeds. That's another way to get more people interested in checking out the show. Um, we feedback on social media at The Captain's Couch on Instagram, The Captain's Couch page on Facebook, on Twitter at Captain's Couch. Um, send an email and I'll leave your name confidential unless you want me to read a particular person for filth in a therapeutic way um, at uh, captainscouch84 at gmail.com um, yeah reach out, leave feedback, support the show financially if that's something you want to do um, via PayPal or the anchor.fm um, donation app uh, donation link um, we appreciate everything that you do here for the couch and we, we appreciate all the love and support and encouragement to keep doing this podcast I certainly wouldn't have imagined gotten this far with it thank you guys Alexa stop playing so we are talking again about consent so just a refresher and a reminder 
what consent is. So this is from yesmeansyes.com. Consent is a mutual, verbal, physical, and emotional agreement that happens without manipulation, threats, or head games. Consent is something that is a total body experience. It's not just a verbal yes or no. and involves also paying attention to the person that you are interested in having relations with, getting to know in a biblical sense, um, you know, bumping uglies with, or, or as Biggie would say, bumping meat. <laughs> that is still... That... <laughs> <laughs> Biggie, Biggie said, uh, bumping me. Oh, uh, when the when he hugged Kofi the last time Kofi was on WWE uh, TV, when that man said, No, when Kofi said, Put your meat on my meat, I just I lost it. I'm, I'm sorry, bumping me is still one of the most hilarious phrases I have heard in this entire year of 2020. Um, but Consent is paying attention to your partner, the person that you wanted to get with, and checking in with physical and emotional cues as well, not just verbal cues. Consent is also a mutual experience. Both people need to agree on the situation. And it is also continuous. You can stop consent at any given time. You can change your mind at any given time. And just because you say yes to one thing doesn't mean you have consented to any and everything. I can think back to Kobe Bryant's rape case. Chances are, in hindsight, thinking about that situation, Kobe likely had consent to do one thing and went too far and didn't have consent to do the other thing. That's right. And that's I, I and it, from all accounts, I even believe that Kobe thought that that's what the case was. And I think even in hindsight, I think he came to the realization of that. Um, But consent is vital consent should be enthusiastic as well so consent isn't a question it is a state if instead of lovers two people were say synchronized swimmers consent would be the water it's not enough to jump in get wet and climb out if you want to swim you have to be in the water continually if you want to have sex, you have to be in a be continually in a state of enthusiastic consent with your partner. Consent and open communication are keys to positive sexual experiences for everybody involved and for any situation that you find yourself in. That having consent and open communication are key and vital things to make the sexual experience enjoyable and safe for everybody. None of this conquering shit none of this another notch in your belt shit none of that sex is supposed to be a pleasurable experience for both people involved no matter what combination of the genders or sexual identities it is none of that using sex as power over somebody else none of that that is not healthy it should be a positive open mutually agreed upon experience so that both people can gain as much pleasure in the situation as possible. So how can we kind of break down consent for our kids? Because here's the thing. We don't necessarily just start right off the bat telling our kids about sex, right? You're not going to tell your toddler about, um, Hey, you know, 
you know what you know how good head feels they're not gonna understand also that is extremely inappropriate um talking about sex talking about what feels good what is safe what is not safe what is allowed what's not allowed starts at a very young age so this is from talkwithyourkids.org and i'm saying this because as a father i am not in control of my daughter's body i have no control over her body i learned that at a very young age in my relationship with my daughter and in her upbringing um and now as a 16 year old i'm you know very much in the understanding of i can't control what you're going to do i can definitely talk to you i can definitely you know put guidelines and rules in place i can most importantly educate you and teach you how to be safe to the best of your ability when it comes to dating um, interacting with the opposite opposite sex intimacy and eventually sex so this article breaks down how we um, section off and talk about consent to our children so it has three sections and it's based upon the child's age range and it's looking at preschool grade school teenagers and young adults so um, the article states that um, we believe parents can start educating their children about consent and empowering them as early as a year old, continuing all the way into their college years. Um, and it's our hope that this education helps us raise and empower young adults who have empathy for others and a clear understanding of healthy consent. So one of the things and one of the reasons why I'm trying to advocate for not teaching this whole you know, men go conquer nonsense and women give it up nonsense is because ultimately those kinds of teachings demonizes sex for girls and puts boys in positions of entitlement for sex from women. Um, because the idea of, you know, a man conquering or taking sex from a woman, if they are say a virgin look at the 40 year old version and how many and how much of the commentary was oh ha ha look andy's a virgin he's never had sex before he doesn't know what a titty feels like a bag of sand what what are you even talking about all of the jokes in that movie are shaming him for not having sexual experiences and he openly talked about it he was anxious and very terrified because he had a sexual experience at a very young age and it was awkward and it didn't go well and it really scared him from trying to have sex again. That's actually a normal thing that happens. Um, performance anxiety is actually not very uncommon when it comes to sex. Um, so how can we work to teach our kids about sex, right? So... It starts off in subtle ways. We just don't say, hey, you know, take your pee-pee out or whatever. So here's the thing. For very young children, we're starting from ages one to five, right? Things that we can do to teach our kids around ages one to five that helps them learn about consent. One, 
teach your kids to ask permission before touching or embracing a playmate. Um, use language like say, "Hey, uh, let's let's try say the homie, the homie, uh, Jeremy, JC, go ask Remy if Ricky and and Jeremy ever met and their sons were hanging out. Like, hey, ask Remy if he wants a hug to go when you go bye bye." Knowing Remy, Remy will probably be like, no, because Ricky and Shelby have done a good job about, you know, things like that. Because I've asked her for a hug before. Hey, can Uncle Byron get a hug? No. I'm like, oh, I'm sad. Okay. Bye, Remy. Love you, buddy. Love you, too. I miss that guy. Um, But teaching to ask for permission before touching or embracing is a good way to start teaching your children about consent. Um, Two. Help create empathy within your child by explaining how something that they've done may have hurt somebody else. Use language like, I I know you wanted that toy, but when you hit Mikey, it hurt him and he felt very sad. We don't want to hurt Mikey to feel, we don't want Mikey to feel sad because we hurt him. Encourage your child to imagine um, how it might feel if Mikey had hit them instead. You know, um, this can be done in a loving tone and a big hug. So we're going to teach your children empathy about how their actions may hurt somebody else can also go a very long way. Number three, um, teach kids to help others who may be in trouble. Uh, talk to your kids about how to help other kids, other children and alert grownups when they need help. Ask your child to watch interactions and notice what is happening. Um, to get them used to observing behavior and checking in on what they see. Um, number four, teach your children that no and stop are important words and should be honored. Um, one way to do this is to explain to your kid that no, when they hear no, always means stop doing what they are doing immediately. And it doesn't really, no matter what. Also teaching your child um, that his or her no's are to be honored. Explain that just like when we say no um, and stop doing something, when they might say no, um, somebody else needs to honor their no and stop doing what they may be doing. Um, Also, if a friend doesn't stop when you say no, then we need to think about whether or not you feel good and safe. Playing with them, if not, if it's not okay, then it's okay for them to not to be friends. So if your friend is maybe playing too rough, if your child's friend is maybe playing too rough and they say no, stop, but their friend doesn't, maybe we need to reevaluate that friendship. Number five, encourage your child to read facial expressions and other body language. So this is kind of teaching them um, how to recognize emotion. So using game like charades um, with facial expressions is a good way to teach a child how to read body language. Um, number six, never force a child to hug, touch, or kiss anybody for any reason, even their grandparents. Allow them the opportunity to choose or to consent to it. And I know that one is a hard one. That one's always a very, very hard one. Number seven, encourage your children to wash their own genitals during bath time. Now, of course, this is very a very age-appropriate task. Like if your child is maybe one, one and a half, maybe two years old, they may not be quite as able to do that. But once they get to like three, four, you know, definitely four or five years old, allowing them to wash their own genitals 
um, is something that could be vital for them. All right. So um, model consent by asking for permission to wash your child's body off or to help them give them a bath. Keep it upbeat and always honor the child's request not to be touched. So if you if you get ready to try to give your kid a bath and they go, no, I got it. I can do it. Um, allow them the opportunity to. Um, it's a great way to help encourage your your child's uh, pride in their own body and a sense of ownership in their own bodies. Um, number eight, give children the opportunity to say yes or no in everyday choices too. let them choose clothing and have a say in what they want to wear what they play with and how they do their hair. Now, definitely, obviously, this is not saying that you as a parent don't have any say so. Yes, you're you have plenty of say so, but it's at least teaching them um, the opportunity to understand the idea of choice. Um, you know, you're not going to let your your kid wear, you know, shorts when it's snowing outside. Right. Number nine allow children to talk about their bodies in any way they want to without shame teach them to use the correct words for their genitals and make sure a safe place for talking and make sure and make yourself a safe place for talking about bodies and sex um so i know your first instinct is probably going to maybe shut your child or act ashamed but practice with them alone about you know being cautious about what they say and when they say it um, as opposed to just completely just shaming your kid and just outright just, you know, shutting them down. Number 10, talk about gut feelings or instincts. Um, sometimes these things make us feel weird, scared or yucky. And we don't even really understand why. Ask your kid if they have ever if this has ever happened to them and listen to them quietly as they explain. Teach them that this belly talk is sometimes correct and that if they ever have a gut feeling that this is confusing um they can always come to us as help or a teacher somebody who they feel safe talking to for help um to help them deal with their feelings and help them make decisions and the last one for this age range of one to five is number 11 use your words i have seen this before just in a personal setting. And I've even used this before in therapy. Use your words. Don't answer or respond to temper tantrums. Ask your child to use their words, even just simple words. Tell them to tell you what is going on with them. Because now from a behavioral standpoint, and this is something that you learn in therapy, you learn in school is that um, a temper tantrum typically is well not just temper tantrum but most behavior if not all behavior um serves a purpose for either to express either a emotion a need a desire or a reaction so a temper tantrum is often especially for younger kids a expression of a want or a need or a feeling that they can't verbally express um, that or they're not sure how to verbally express because they haven't really practiced how to do it. Um, now, when we see temper tantrums in adults, like say, you know, the um, craze about not wanting to wear a mask, 
they are expressing they're using those tantrums as an expression of rejection of their desired feelings or rejection of their own standpoints or really what it is expressing their sense of entitlement um, about being told what to do and not wanting to comply with that rule. So let's move over to grade school kids. So how can we teach about consent to children ages five to 12? So this is all the way up to preteen. All right. So there's 10 steps with this one as well. So just bear with me. We're working to get through this pretty quickly. We won't hold you forever. So step number one, teach your kids that the way their bodies are changing is a good thing. And yeah, it's going to be confusing. You're growing pubic hair. You're losing teeth. You're getting pimples. For girls, you know, you're having, you know, you're starting your menstruation, uh, your, menst- your menstrual cycles. Um, for guys, you're, you know, starting to go through puberty. You know, maybe you're going through nocturnal emissions for the first time uh, or nocturnal ejaculation for the first time. Yes, it's weird. Believe me, it's weird. So you want to be scientific, direct. And answer any questions that your child may have without any shame or embarrassment. Yes, again, it is going to be your instinct to hush them because you are embarrassed. Uh, Practice until you can act like this is not a big deal with your kid. Because obviously part of the reason why we try to control or limit what our children do in a sexual manner is because we feel embarrassed. It feels like a sense of embarrassment for us Um, for whatever different reason. So we often try to control um, our children in order to limit our embarrassment. Um, Number two, encourage them to think about what feels good and what doesn't feel good. Ask them things like, do you like to be tickled? Do you like being dizzy? Um, What else is that you enjoy? Do you enjoy, you know, um, a hug? Do you enjoy, you know, a kiss on the cheek? Um, what feels good, but what also doesn't feel good. Do you, do you hate being sick? Um, do you hate it when another kid hurts your feelings? Leave space to talk to your children about anything that comes to mind about how they feel. Number three, remind your child that everything you're going through is normal and is natural. Every kid goes through it. Everybody goes through it. Number four, teach your kids how to use safe words during play and help them negotiate a safe word to use with their friends. So this is necessary because many kids... Um, like to disappear deep in deep into um, pretend worlds together um, like playing you know war games or playing like cops and robbers and stuff like that um, at this age saying no may be part of the play um, so they need to have a word that will stop all activity um, it could be something as um, pineapples you know Kevin Hart the whole Kevin Hart thing pineapples <laughs> um, number five teach your kids to stop their play once uh, every once in a while to check in with somebody else so teaching them to take a time out every so often to make sure that everybody's feeling okay um, number three encourage your kids to watch each other's facial expressions um, during play and make sure everyone is happy and on the same page um, number four, you want to try to, um, help encourage, I mean, help kids interpret what they see on the playground, uh, with their friends. 
ask them what they could do or what they could have done differently to help them uh, play a rewind rewind game um, when they come home and tell everybody about, you know, tell them about, you know, how to deal with bullying. Um, give your kids props for talking about tough subjects. Um, that helps allowing them to encourage them to make tough conversations as they get older. Um, I think one of the one of the things about teaching your kid about tough conversations is that when we constantly hush them as a means of maybe shelter them or discourage them from dealing with the world or to control our own embarrassment or our own feelings, when we're shutting our kids down, we are essentially setting them up for an adulthood where they now have to try to do the makeup work to learn how to actually talk about tough conversations and express their own feelings. Um, number eight, don't tease kids about their boy-girl friendships or about having crushes. Whatever they feel is okay. If their friendship with someone seems like a crush, don't mention it. You can ask them open-ended questions like, how's your friendship going with such and such? Uh, be prepared to talk or not talk about it. Number nine, teach children that their behavior affects other people. Um, you can do this in simple ways. Anywhere. Ask them to observe how people respond to other people that may make noise or litter. Ask them what they think will happen as a result. Um, will someone have to clean it up? Will somebody be scared? Explain to your kids how the choices that they make affect others and talk about what good time, when there are good times to be loud, when there are good spaces to be messy. Lastly, number 10, teach kids to look for opportunities to help. Um, doing these things teaches your children that they have a role to play and helping easing both proverbial and literal loads for other people and for themselves. So by teaching your kids how to help, it helps teach them that their help lightens the load for everyone involved. So let us look at the last section here. And this one may, no, it's not too lengthy. So the last section that we have set up is for guidelines for teenagers and for young adults. So this is kind of where I'm at in this world. So number one, on this, these are a few things that um, I've done already and a couple of things I probably need to do a little bit more like this one. Um, education about good touch, bad touch um, remains critical, especially for middle schoolers. So your 13 year old kids up to like 14, 15 years old, um, this is an age where various touch games emerge, like butt slapping, <laughs> grabbing butt. And we see how that worked out for Mike in the wood, as we put at the beginning of the episode. He caught the hands. He didn't have consent to touch Alicia's butt. Later on in the movie, he did have a consent to touch her butt, and she was cool with it. Um, so guys hitting one another in the in the crotch, which obviously we know that's a thing. Um <laughs> you know, I just had a flashback. Um, pinching each other on the nipple, 
well, on the nipples to cause pain. That's a thing. Wow. Okay. Uh, when kids talk about these kind of games, a, trends, a trend emerges where boys explain that they think girls like it, but then girls explain that they do not like it whatsoever. Um, we get that kids are talking about ways in which they interact with each other. Um, we ha- Well, we have to talk about the way that kids talking about the ways in which these games impact other people. Um, They'll try to write it off, but it is important to encourage them to talk through it and ask them how they would feel if somebody else would do that, would harm them in a similar way. Um, When you see it happen, nip it in the bud. This isn't about boys being boys. This is harassment and sometimes it's sexual assault. Number two, work to build on your kid's self-esteem. So in middle school, bullying tends to shift. Um, to target specific identities and self-esteem starts to plummet around age 13 by 17, 78% of girls report report hating their bodies. Um, they tend to build, uh, well, so we tend to build up our smaller kids by telling them how great they are. And then we just kind of stop talking about the different aspects of them as when they hit middle school. Um, but it's actually critical for this time for you to build up your kids' self-esteem, not just about their beauty, but remark um, to them regularly about their talents, their skills, their kindness, and as well as their appearance. Number three, continue having sex talks with middle schoolers, but start incorporating information about consent. Um, so we're good about talking about waiting until marriage and abstinence only education. Um, and sometimes about STDs and every now and again, very seldomly about practicing safe sex. But what we don't really ever talk about is consent. Um, by middle school, it's time to start talking about consent. So use questions like, um, how do you know whether your partner is ready to kiss you? How do you think you can tell a girl or a boy, whichever, how that goes, if they're interested in you? This is a great time to explain enthusiastic consent um, about asking permission to kiss or touch a partner. Um, explain that only a, only yes means yes. Don't wait for your partner to say no to look for consent. Um, educate our educate educating middle schoolers about consent means that we don't have to re-educate them later and break them out of bad habits um, that could potentially hurt somebody else. Um, number four, nip locker room talk in the bud, especially for boys. Um, you know, yes, we, we're not perfect at this. Like, I mean, I can't even say myself that I'm perfect at it, but, um, being honest with your kids about, um, these kind of conversations and the type of like almost predatory, um, actions that take place outside of these situations um, is going to be very vital. Um, Crushes and desire are normal and healthy, but as parents and educators, we need to do more than just stop kids from talking about each other like they're objects. We need to model how to talk about our crushes as whole people. So, um, you know, if, you know, your your son comes in and is like, yo, man, yo, daddy, I seen this one girl in school. She got a fat ass. Have a conversation with them like, yo, you know, she's more than just a nice butt, yo, kid. Like, there's more to her than that. Yeah, sure. You might see her physical appearance, but what kind of person is she like? What kind of things does she enjoy? How smart is she? 
um, you know, what's her religious background? Thinking about somebody from a more wholehearted situation and a more, heart, more, more wholehearted place, especially teaching boys to see women as more than just sexual objects is vital at this age. Because when you don't nip these things in the bud at the teenage years, they grow into grown men who catcall and who see women only as objects or as baby incubators and then decide that they can make all the decisions in the world about what a woman's body autonomy should be when they have no place to do so. Number five, explain that part of growing up is having changing hormones and that hormones sometimes make it hard for you to think clearly. Um, thinking with the little brain instead of your big brain. Sometimes this means our desires feel overwhelming or, you know, that we might get mad or angry or confused or frustrated. It's common and it's perfectly okay to be overwhelmed or confused by your feelings. Tell your kids that no matter what they are feeling, they can talk to you about it. Um, but their feelings and desires and needs um, are no one else's responsibility but their own. They still need to protect, uh, pr practice kindness and respect to everybody involved. Number six, mentor teenage and college age boys and young men about what masculinity is. Um, and I think as a male therapist, this is something I've definitely tried to do for sure. Um, is giving, especially for some of the clients that I've had who either did not have father figures or who had very abusive father figures who were no longer in the picture and they were like the only example they had of what a man was. Um, I feel like I'm playing a vital role in kind of teaching them a more healthy way of what masculinity should be. Um, men need to talk to boys about what's good about being masculine. Um, ask them what hasn't been so good about our cultures, our, uh, our culture of masculinity in the past. Um, how can we build a more inclusive form of masculinity that embraces all types of men from jocks, from athletes to theater kids, to band kids, to gay, to gay kids, the gay boys or trans boys or um, gender nonconforming, but male presenting boys. Um, how can we how can we allow space for all of these men to fit in? Because I mean, quiet as it kept, I have even myself been seen as kind of an abnormality when it comes to black male masculinity. Um, you know, because I'm very thoughtful and I'm educated and I'm not necessarily aggressive or like, you know, constantly in a sex conquest or, you know, I'm very, you know, uh, thought, you know, thought provoking in how I talk to women or even my own dating experiences are a little bit abnormal for for black men. So, you know, having these kind of conversations are going to be in very vital and important. Um, these conversations encourage a nonviolent form of masculinity for the future. Um, so if we're we're trying to break down, you know, the whole black, you know, male privilege thing and toxic masculinity, it's going to take us as men to have conversations with our younger boys about forming healthier ways um, of being men and normalizing things like emotions and talking about your feelings, going to therapy, you know, um, 
understanding consent, advocating for women that you don't know, um, that you have no stake in, that you're not attracted to, um, you know, and fighting to protect those women and not, you know, dismissing or downplaying their feelings, voting, um, you know, voting and supporting, you know, things like abortion rights and reproductive rights for women. These are ways that we can form healthier masculine traits and masculine bonds that build more healthy relationships between the boys that we're raising and the young girls or however they'll identify or whoever they'll be attracted to those people that they can grow and have healthier bonds with them. Number seven, talk honestly with your kids about partying. Um, Make it clear that you don't want them drinking or using drugs but that they know parties and that they know that kids do party and you want them to be informed. Ask them questions about how they are going to keep themselves and others safe when they drink. Um, Thinking about questions such as how will you know when you've had too much to drink? How will you handle if your driver has had too much to drink? Um, And make clear that your child can always call you if they need to. Or, hey, you know, obviously the dude who's driving is a little too drunk. Can you get me an Uber? Like, okay, I got you. Give me, give me the address. I'll send it. I'll hook it up. Um, you know, how will you handle if, you know, how will you know if your drinking and drug use has reached a dangerous level or has crossed into addiction? Um, how does your behavior change when you drink too much? Um, how can you protect others from yourself in that situation? How will you know whether or not it's okay to kiss someone, touch someone, or have sex with someone when you've had a lot to drink? Um, Explain that decisions become cloudy and signals become more unclear when you're impaired. How um, will you be sure that you are reading the other person's signals accurately? Suggest that um, you have that you always ask for permission to touch somebody else, especially when there's been drinking involved. Um, Although this might be, well, kind of obvious. Explain that a person who is drunk, high, or otherwise impaired should not be touched, harassed, or sexually assaulted. Teach your children to stand up and seek help uh, for a fellow partygoer who's had too much to drink. Be careful about the language that you use with your kids about partying. The responsibility is never on the victim to prevent the assault. It's always on the perpetrator to make the right decision and not to harm anyone. So last two points that we have. Number eight, talk about sex and consent with your teens as they start having serious relationships. Um, continuing the conversation about healthy consent, respecting your partner and healthy sexuality shows them how important the, these themes are to you. It also normalizes talking about consent. So talking openly and respectfully with partners becomes second nature to your teens. And the last thing. Teens are thirsty for information about sexual assault, consent and healthy sexuality. They want to learn and they will find a way to get information about sex. If you are the one providing the information lovingly, honestly and consistently, they will carry that information out with them into the world. So like something I mentioned before, if they're wanting information about healthy sex and consent and stuff like that, porn is probably not your option. You're not your go-to. Porn is not going to teach you about 
consent and about sexual boundaries and about um, talking about the conversations that go into things like BDSM or um, anal play or the use of toys in the bedroom or whatever it may be, oral, oral sex, um, period sex. Porn is not going to talk about those things. So you as the parent need to give them scientifically fact-based, but also concerned and informed conversations about things like sexual assault, about consent, about rape culture, about, um, you know, the low rate of rapes being reported and even prosecuted. Letting them know, especially your girls know about some of the dangers of, that are inherent in our society due to the prevalence and rampantness of rape culture. Having these conversations will keep your f- kids informed and allows them to, as they continue to transition away from your home and become more in- independent, help them form as healthy as they possibly can control um, decisions that will shape their future going forward. So that's all we have here. Thank you so much for listening to The Captain's Couch. Leave me a five-star review. Leave me feedback. Send donations. Share the podcast. Show some love. Tap somebody on the shoulder and say, hey, you got kids. Here's some ways that you can talk about sex with them. This would be a good episode to share with somebody that's got kids, especially teenage kids. So we'll be back next week and I'll, I haven't figured out what I'm going to talk about yet next week, but we'll, we'll get it. We'll get something in the can before next weekend. So that being said, we'll see you next week. May the force be with you. Peace. Congregation, would you turn your text to the book about cast? Chapter 2, verse 1, the first one to feel me. Jump up and make a joyful noise, use our cast it. Meaning, now you have a choice like that. Don't let them you.